Love to those Sunday after church receptions with red punch and Louisiana crunch cake and whatever was cooking on the stove in that kitchen where mamas and aunties stored their flavor in their arms and in the depths of their hearts. Love to my grandmother at every Thanksgiving, baking her ever-requested bread rolls. I can still see her sat there at the high table, kneading love into every inch of dough. Love to the Friday night fish joints where juicy fried whiting drenched in Frank's red-hot sauce crunched and sang to me. Love to those Saturday mornings waking up as a kid when mom scrambled cheesy eggs and made grits with butter and salt. Bacon oh so crispy and mom's silver dollar pancakes drenched in maple syrup that were my favorite. Love to my father at every summer barbecue, tirelessly cooking away at the grill while hungry mouths waited. You know, truly some of the best barbecue I ever had. Love to my uncles Jim and Ron, who've hosted dinner party after dinner party after dinner party, gathering after gathering with ease, class, and grace, making sure everyone was well-watered and well-fed. Truly my shining inspirations in hospitality. The best to ever do it. Love to the city of Newark, New Jersey, one of the cities that raised me, where Italian cheeseburgers and Amin's Chinese halal food was the fastest way to my young teenage heart, and where the Portuguese restaurants of Down Neck was the fastest direct ticket to escape to another world. Love to the Chicagoland area, where food really does rain. From summertime at the taste, to your great fried chicken rivalry of Harold's versus Uncle Remus. Don't nobody do it like you do. Oh, and you truly do have the best hot dogs in the world, but don't tell New York City I said that. Now pizza, on the other hand, yeah, let's leave that to the pros. New York City. Big love to the Big Apple, my birthplace and family home, where cuisine is as diverse as its population. From all the Latin food up in Washington Heights to the plethora of Thai spots from Hell's Kitchen down to Chelsea. From family-run Greek spots in Astoria to legendary soul food places in Harlem, you made it welcome for my palate to wander, discover, learn, and love. Love to London, the place I now call home, which has been another gateway to places my palate has never been before. From the humble nature of a pub Sunday roast to the richness of Brick Lane and beyond, I can't wait to explore you even more. To all the communities I've been a part of, you're a part of life's quilt of flavor. You brought me to this point right here, a space where I can share my love for food and for fellowship. I thank you. I love you. This is my ode to all who fed me. And to all of you listening, this is Lick the Plate. Hey y'all, it's me, your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones. I loved writing that piece, that ode to all those who fed me. I don't think I've ever written anything quite like it. I do love to write, um, and I really like poetry. But I've never written anything that celebrated all of who I am. You know, the people that raised me, the people who fed me, the places that have fed me, all the places I've been to. So I figured, well, this is the perfect place to do it. As I was saying it, 
it just brought back so many emotions for me. It reminded me that it's really all about community. Speaking of community, big, big, big shout out to Adam Farrell for the songwriting, mixing, and mastering of the theme song to Lick the Plate, which you just heard, with yours truly on the vocals, which I actually wrote myself. Big shout out to Gregory Haney Photography, who took the beautiful photos of me for promo and for the artwork of the podcast. Big love to Daniel Haswell, who was behind the scenes taking video. And last but not least, so much love to Ryan Carter, who designed the artwork for this podcast and who helped me along the way in terms of things I could download, apps I could use just to get this podcast out to people and for promo and marketing and all that. Thank you all. So I figured before I bring any guests on, you all should get to know who I am. So I was born in New York City, specifically in the borough of Queens. Big shout out to Queens. And I grew up split between Springfield Gardens, St. Albans, which is all in the Jamaica area of Queens. Um, And if you know Queens really well, you know that it's really residential. It's mostly residential compared to the big bustling noise of Manhattan and, of course, now even Brooklyn, certain parts of Brooklyn. So, yeah, I grew up in a detached home that had a front yard and a backyard. And I guess that's kind of a lot of what people might not expect from someone who lives in New York City. So even though I was born in New York City and both my mom and dad were born in New York City as well, both sides of my family all come from Virginia, which is a southern state. And yes, Virginia is a southern state. I know a lot of people from the south don't claim it to be, but it's definitely Southern, especially historically, but that's that's another podcast for another day. So because both families are from Virginia, I grew up with a lot of soul food um, being in the home, not just soul food, which, you know, soul food is a, a big umbrella term, in my opinion, um, for a lot of the food that comes from the South, specifically from Black Americans from the South. Um, but yeah, I grew up having many dishes um, that are considered to be soul food. It's not only in the South anymore. Of course, it's made its uh, its way worldwide. But, you know, due to the country's history and the Great Migration, a lot of Black Americans made their way north. I mean, I can remember very vividly my grandmother standing at the stove in her kitchen cooking a big cauldron of pig's feet. <laughs> and if you've ever been in a place that has cooked pig's feet or if you've ever eaten it, you know the smell. It's not great. No matter how much vinegar you bathe it in, it just isn't great. I think I remember tasting like a little piece of it, but that was once and once only. So whenever my grandmother would make pig's feet, she would also make rice and black eyed peas with it. And also so like mustard greens or some sort of dark green on the side as well. And when that would happen, oh, it would be a vegetarian night for me, even as a kid. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, I would have the rice, I'd have the black-eyed peas, the greens, and I know it sounds pretty dry, but the black-eyed peas were stewed, so that was like the sauce. Now, 
some of the soul food that I absolutely devoured every time was whenever my dad barbecued. I mean, I think one of my favorite things he's ever done is chop barbecue. So chop barbecue are pork pieces, basically, that you chop up. I mean, just hack away at it. And it's all shredded. Don't ask me what cuts of the pig they're from, but it's amazing. Now, I know that barbecue all over the United States is different from Kansas City to North Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, I don't know the the kind that my father made, um, but it was good. That's what I do know. And the barbecue sauce that went with it was more on the tangy side. So maybe that's closer to North Carolina from what I can remember in terms of learning about the different types of barbecue in the United States. Um, But it was sweet, sticky, a little tangy, had some heat to it. Ah, I miss it. Fun fact, I don't eat beef or pork anymore. Just eat birds and, and other seafood. But luckily, barbecue, you know, runs the gamut. So, of course, barbecue chicken is one of my favorite things to eat, especially the thigh piece. I think the thigh is one of the best pieces. And, of course, wings. Now, those who know me know I love, 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 love wings. It's one of those things I could eat every single day. Now, when it's fried, I'm partial to a a dry, crispy type of wing with, you know, with good seasoning. But barbecue... Throw them suckers on the grill, lather them with that sauce, throw them on a plate, and I'm set. My dad is one of my biggest food and hospitality inspirations. He taught me a lot about flavor. And because he went to culinary school, he knew a lot about the simple sciences behind food. Um, He also is a great bartender. And so I remember just watching him, especially at barbecues or whatever gatherings, just making simple cocktails. I mean, that man's knowledge is so, so vast. The second time he came to London, I took him out to a bar and we were sat at the bar, you know, right, right in front of the bartender. And I believe the bartender was making me a Negroni or something like that. Oh, Negroni is like my favorite cocktail. And I could see my father studying him and, and, and the techniques. I got my Negroni in the end and the bartender stepped away. And my father said, yeah, that ain't it. <laughs> I laughed, I tasted it and thought, hmm, he's right. Now, of course, I drank it and it did taste good. But was it one of the best Negronis I've ever had? No. Some of the best Negronis I've ever had are in London. And there's a place called Negronis that you have to go to. It's in Soho. On the hospitality front, my father reigns supreme. There's just something about his charm mixed with his love for food, that marriage is just gold. And I remember hearing stories about my parents in their early days of dating and then courting and all that. And my father worked at a at a bar in Queens. I want to say, I want to say somewhere near Rochdale Village, but I, I could be wrong in that. Anyway, my mother always describes my father being behind that bar as so charming and so magnetic 
that she just couldn't take her eyes off of him. And I could see it. I could see him with that shaker making whatever cocktail was was popular back in the 80s. And that has stayed for so long. And growing up, watching him work his magic in a kitchen, on the grill, at the bar, I'm so glad that a lot of that was passed down to me. Whenever I have a gathering, whether it be a birthday party or whatever, I I feel like I have to, you know, carry on that legacy that my father has in terms of hospitality. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I always have food at all my events, especially birthday parties. Say what you will. You cannot have a birthday party without food. Or maybe you can, but I just want to enjoy it as much. <laughs> no shade. Um, funny enough, when thinking about, you know, what the theme of this podcast could be, it didn't take long for me to realize that, yeah, it has to be food because food really is the center of my life and the center of my joy. It really is. Everything, just about everything that I do has food involved. If I'm meeting up for for a quick coffee, best believe there's a pastry next to that coffee. If I'm catching up with a friend, chances are it's going to be over lunch. Yes, I do like walks in the park, but is there ice cream involved? Somehow, some way, food has to be involved. And if we can't get food, is there a bar available? I honestly think I get it all from my father. And you know what? I ain't mad at it. Now, another one of my biggest inspirations is my Uncle Jim. My Uncle Jim has passed away, but he remains everywhere I go. My Uncle Jim is the eldest brother of my father, so I, it definitely it's 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 on that side of the family for sure. <laughs> and um, Uncle Jim and his partner Uncle Ron, who are two of my icons, taught me about the quality of ingredients. Uncle Jim introduced a lot of classic cooking to me, from the simple ways to roast a chicken with the best flavor, all the way down to a souffle. Uncle Jim was the king of Thanksgivings. He was always at the helm of every Thanksgiving gathering we had. And I consider him to still be the patriarch of all my Thanksgiving. Since he has passed, I don't think I have had a Thanksgiving quite like it. But the memories of many, many Thanksgivings in the Poconos, with him in the kitchen, him in the dining room, him all over, making sure all the guests just felt great, ate well, and were merry. Ah, I love it. Thanksgiving is probably one of my favorite holidays. Christmas is lovely. And I think since being in the UK, Christmas has taken over from Thanksgiving because it's not celebrated here. But Thanksgiving, in my opinion, might actually be bigger in the United States than Christmas because it truly is one of those celebrations that everybody, regardless of religion or creed, can celebrate. It's about coming together, giving thanks, gratefulness, and that family fellowship. Now, the woman that tied it all together is my grandmother, the mother of my dad and my Uncle Jim. Not only did my grandmother teach me how to read music and how to play piano, which I'm pretty bad at. Sorry, Grandma. She taught me how to cook one of my favorite things, the simple scrambled egg. I mean, I was cooking scrambled eggs probably from the age of six, seven, no lie, 
I think I probably needed like a step stool to get all the way up to the uh, to the level of the stove. But nonetheless, I, I did it. Um, and a perfect medium. I don't like them too hard. I don't like them too soft. Will I eat them if they're in front of me? Most likely, yes. My grandmother embodied the love that goes into good food. She was the connection between my Southern roots and my life in New York City. One of the best things that she taught me was to just always love what you cook. And when the love is there, people can taste it. Now, speaking of soul, back to soul food. So New York City has some of the best soul food anywhere in the country. And that's a big, bold statement. Some of the best soul food spots in New York City are Amy Ruth's, Melba's, Peaches, and of course, the iconic Sylvia's. Now, out of all of those, I think my favorite might be Amy Ruth's. Now, if you go to Amy Ruth's, you gotta get the turkey wings. They're huge. They're smothered. They're full of flavor. That's all I'm gonna say. Just up from Harlem is, of course, the iconic neighborhood of Washington Heights, where it's, listen, it's some of the best Caribbean Latin food you will ever have. It's Cuban, it's Dominican, it's Puerto Rican. And of course, we can break down all three of those. I won't right now. (laughs) But the three of those nations' food, oh my goodness, I can have every day. One of the things I just always had to have, which sadly I don't eat anymore, is pernil. It's pork. It's slow cooked. It's uh, mm. Make sure you have some pernil if you can. One thing I can eat and still do eat, though, are platanos, plantains, plantains. However you want to say it, y'all know what it is. And my favorite type is the maduro or the sweet plantain. Ooh, just the sweetness alone. It reminds me of how you have to have macaroni and cheese and sweet potatoes together. That sweet and savory, uh, give me a maduro with a, a grilled chicken with some arroz on the side and some pinto beans. Sold. Lick the plate. Lick the plate. Now, I mentioned Newark, New Jersey. I always rep New York City, right? Because it is where I was born. And I grew up half in New York City. The other half was right across the river. Well, not right across the river because that's Jersey City, which I also have love for. But in the same metropolitan area is the city of Newark, New Jersey, which is the largest city in the state of New Jersey. Now, even though Newark, New Jersey and New York City are close in geography, they are so unique in terms of their food and culture. Newark has a huge integration of cultures from Portuguese-speaking nations like Portugal, Brazil, Cabo Verde, etc., etc. And most of these people live in an area called the Ironbound, commonly known as Down Neck. Down Neck has a plethora of markets and restaurants all serving food from the Iberian Peninsula. And it's a common thing for many people who live in Newark and the surrounding towns and areas to go Down Neck to have huge, amazing, flavorful Spanish or Portuguese or Brazilian dinners. I mean... It's one of those things like, you know, how you would go to a, that certain restaurant to celebrate a graduation or, or a birthday, etc. Yeah. Chances are, if you wanted to really celebrate, you're going down neck. You're going to Iberia. You're going to Fornos. You're going to Spain. Those are all names of restaurants, by the way. 
some of my best memories are going to either of those restaurants and having paella. I mean, I think it was the first place I ever had paella. Not in Spain, but in Newark, New Jersey. But because, you know, these are places run by people from these nations, it was so authentic and so flavorful. So by the time I actually did visit Spain and had paella, it was like it was the same. But maybe the paella I had in Newark was better. Hmm, maybe controversial, but oh well, I said what I said. You know, throughout my life, food has been one of the most consistent things. And it's really helped me learn about myself. It's taught me patience. It's let me know that not everything can go your way and that it's okay. It really is okay. And usually there's a way around it anyway. There's a way to add flavor. There's a way to fix something, even if it doesn't go how you thought. And sometimes... That's just the best thing. I cannot wait for you all to join me in conversations with my friends about food, about culture, about fellowship, and just how food brings us all together. My name is Cameron, and I thank you for joining me on this journey. See you for another episode of Lick the Plate.